If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out and turn to Psalms. Now, I, I'm going to preach a message today that is something that we probably all struggle with at some time or another and often go without any answers. And so I'm going to try and uh, bring an answer to that question today. As you turn to Psalms, the 13th chapter, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We just ask you, God, to have your way in this place today. Open our hearts, God, to truth and, Father, understanding so we could be a reflection of your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the name of my topic today, if you would turn around, look at your neighbor and say, why? How many of you have ever heard that question? Why? Go clean your room. Why? Pick up, take out the trash. Why? Turn out the light. Why? We've lived with whys all of our life, right? But it seems like the older we get, the more intense the whys become. And so, I want to preach to you today about why, and then for a subtopic is why it's such a beautiful world. Amen. Boy, if I could sing like Louis Armstrong, I'd break right out into it right now. Why? why? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even set that up, folks. That just, that's all right. Others were thinking it. <laughs> so let, let's take a, a, a look at this beautiful world that we live in. Let, have you ever been to the ocean before? Man, it's just so gorgeous, man, and the blues. And it just, you know, you could, I love to go to the ocean in the middle of the, or not in the middle, but at the very beginning of the morning and walk the seashore. And then I got an opportunity to go fishing, sea fishing last year and take a look <laughs> See, I, I went to go catch a fish, but there's some fishes in that ocean that can catch you. What a beautiful world. Have you ever seen the painted desert? Man, it's a beautiful. I mean, that's breathtaking, right? And there's a, there's a fella that lives out there that'll eat your lunch. It's a Gila monster. Matter of fact, there was a guy just uh, last week was killed by a Gila monster. He had it for a pet and it bit him. And... Uh, I, I know that's ugly. Let's get off of that. Let's go to my favorite place. Man, I'm telling you, there's something about the mountains that literally echo the presence of God. I've sat at the feet of mountains and the Rocky Mountains and just sat there and thought, wow, I know that there's a God. And while I'm sitting there contemplating on God and then just in those trees, there's someone praying for lunch. So here's my question. It's, I mean, why in a world that appears so beautiful is there death around every corner? Why? You know, I, I got up this morning, I, I studied this yesterday, and then this morning I got to thinking, I thought, I wonder, you know, because the, the, the world is... is just a little out of sync. And so I, I got to thinking, I thought, I wonder what the headlines are today. 
The, the headlines, these headlines I'm getting ready to read you came from this morning, this morning. Here are the headlines. Nursing student murdered by illegal migrant from Venezuela. Divers find human remains in lake. American couple enjoying retirement feared dead after escaped prisoners hijack yacht. Russian dissidents continue to disappear in a pattern of bizarre deaths. Teacher found dead in school stairwell. New York heiress didn't mean to shoot her hubby dead. 17-year-old stabbed in Times Square. Today's headlines. We live in a world that is surrounded with death, and we wonder why. But we're not the first ones that ever asked that question. If you go to Psalms, the 70, or Psalms, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 1, listen to David's words. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Jeremiah talks about it in chapter 12. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? Somebody say, why? And the, the psalmist says it in the 73rd chapter probably as good or better than anywhere I've ever seen it said before. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I'd almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride. They seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease with their riches multiplied. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Why? Any of you ever been there before trying to figure out why so many bad things are happening? I mean, if God is a good God, why is all this happening? Don't anybody leave here until I answer this question. If, 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 this, is, if this is the way, why, why does all this stuff go on? I mean, look at the examples in our world. We've got Christians being tortured all around the world. Terrorist attacks of 9-11 in October 7th seem mindless and for no purpose and no reason. Why? Why do we have people like Hitler that was responsible in World War II for over 75 million lives being taken, 11 million of which died in concentration camps. Why? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, boy, he's really encouraging me today. <laughs> Why? What? Why are there fatal car wrecks? Why murder? Why drug addiction? Why disease? Look, we've all experienced the bitter pain of loss and tragedy of some sort. And we ask the question, along with unbelievers that 
never seem to get an adequate answer. Why? Why would a good God let this happen? Here's a problem. We're asking the wrong question. That's like asking, that's like if someone comes up to you and asks you, if you really love your children, why do you let bad things happen to them? Wow. How many of you love your children in here? Hold your hand up if you love your children. How many of you have, how many of you have children that bad things have happened to? Hold your hand up if you've had bad things happen to and, and you get hit with a question like that, and, and it's like, well, how am I even supposed to answer that? It's because that that question is a self-defeating question. It's making false assumptions. It's the wrong question. Here's the question that should be asked. The question should be, if we love our children, then why do bad things still happen to them? And I can answer that question. See, because life is often tied to choices. And when we make the wrong choices, it impacts not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. I've heard people say, well, if there was a God, why did he allow that drunk driver to take the lives of that mother and her child? Really, you were going to put that on God? Could that not be a choice that was made, a wrong choice that was made? See, all this stuff goes on, and that question about how could a good God let these bad things happen when this ought to be the question. The question should be, how do you explain death and suffering in a world where an all-powerful, loving and just God exists? And I can answer that question. How do you explain death and suffering in a world where a loving God, powerful God, and a just God exists? And for that answer, or for that question, there is an answer. Let me first talk to you about how God made the world. How many of you have ever been in some beautiful places in the world? So God made the world beautiful. Do, do you know that when God first made the world, I wouldn't have to worry about a grizzly bear eating me? When God first made the world, you did not get bacon for breakfast. You didn't get steak for dinner. There was no KFC because there were no chickens to be plucked. What are you talking about? When God first made the world, there was no death in the world. We didn't kill and eat things. Everyone, man and beast, ate plants and fruits. There was no death. But something happened in the world that brought death. Look at Genesis 2, 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him. He's talking about Adam. The Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. 
turn around, look at your name, and say, you're about to die. Say, so, well, we don't want to talk about it. Now, I'm just saying you God laid it out. God told him what would happen, right? Now look at Genesis 3 and verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Let me ask you a question. When you were in the world sinning, did you sin because it was so made you feel so miserable? Did you sin because it made you feel so guilty? No, you sinned because you liked it. Uh, is there anybody in the house today? I know I'm, I'm addressing some things that people don't want to talk about, but I'm just going to lay it out to you the way it is. We sinned because we liked it. Some of the stuff I did, I would not relate to you. Why? Because I don't like it anymore. What, what are you getting at? I'm getting at that when death, when when. When Eve sinned, Adam sinned right along with her. How many of you know that sin loves company? Amen. Nobody wants to do it alone. What do we always challenge each other with when we're getting ready to do something stupid? I'll do it if you'll do it. You go first. I'll, I'll do it if you do. And, and it's, so we, we want that company. The first thing that they did when sin entered in, watch this, the first thing that happens is they hid from God. Sin separated them from the presence of God. They no longer wanted to be close to God. Sin brought them shame. And they did not want to be in the presence of God, so they began to hide from the presence of God. Sin brought death into this world. Listen to Genesis 17 and 19. It, had, it, it didn't just bring death to us, but it had a horrific impact on the earth itself. Listen to this, Genesis 3 and 17. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And your life will, and you will, and your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you eat all of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. It cursed the earth. There wasn't all of the thorns and thistles. I didn't have to worry about grizzly bears popping out while I'm at the foot of a mountain enjoying the presence of God. I didn't have to worry about jaws taking a bite of me when I'm floating around in the ocean. I didn't have to worry about spiders and snakes. Somebody's happy about that. But I do now. Do you? No, I'm not going to go there. I stayed in a place one time, and I put out a glue trap. I put out a glue trap because I noticed a brown recluse spider, a fiddler spider. Within the next week, I caught over 32 brown recluse spiders in the room I was sleeping in. 
I started down into a cellar that my daughter had made and, and or had put in for a storm shelter. And as I started to go down, because my grandson told me I saw a spider down there with a red spot. I started to step down and I and because it goes like this, I started to reach like this to get my grip. And I said, right, right before I did, I said, Landon, where did you see the spider? And he said it was under the ladder. I was getting ready to have grabbed the spider. I stepped down without touching my hand on the ladder and turned around when I got down there and there was a black widow smiling at me. Death, pain, suffering everywhere, and it came from sin. But we don't say, oh, look what our sin did to God's beautiful world. We say, how could God let this happen? God isn't the one that caused this to happen. Do you understand that in God's world, there was no death, there was no suffering, there was no pain, but when we sinned, it brought all of that to us. Look at Romans 5 and 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 15 and 56, the sting of death is sin. Everywhere you look, every, everywhere around us is a reminder of our fall from God. Because sin entered through Adam, all of us have been made to sin. Can I ask you a question? Did anybody have to teach you how to sin? Did you go to lessons to learn how to be bad? I mean, go to school to learn how to be bad? Did, you, did, did somebody have to teach you the word no? See, I knew it was coming. Did anybody have to teach you how to say something smart? <laughs> when I say smart, I'm not talking about education-wise. I'm talking about in the Ellick side. <laughs> so we, we didn't have to have training with all that because it's just inherent in us. My little granddaughter was in the back seat. And I, she wanted some ice cream this past week, and she'd been sick. And so I told her, I said, well, we better call Mommy to check and see if you can have ice cream. And, and so I called, and, and Mommy didn't want her to have ice cream because she was afraid that she was going to be sick again. And I said, well, it would be okay if we get her smoothie. She said, that'll work. And when I hung up, she said, oh, she never lets me have ice cream. I'm so, she's making me so frustrated. I'm, I, she, she, what was it? Yeah, that's it. She said, she's making me, she's stressing me out. I can't have ice cream. I said, you're going to be able to have ice cream. And she said, no, I'm not going to be able to have ice cream for a hundred years. <laughs> so her world had just got painted bleak and black. And, but here's the thing. There's something in the midst of death. There's something in the midst of the fall in Genesis that people miss. They don't see it. Go back to Genesis, the third chapter, and watch this. Because in the midst of that death and destruction, something comes shining through. 
It's the love of God. Watch it. What's he do? He, ever, after everybody blames everybody. <laughs> Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. But we're all still dying. <laughs> so what's the point? The point is it doesn't matter where you point your finger. Death is going to come to everyone. And in the midst of that, in the midst of all that fallenness and all that brokenness and all that loss, God shows miraculous love. How does he do it? Look in the third chapter. What's he do? He throws them out of the garden. See, we don't get that that was the grandest gesture of love. Why? Why does he throw them out of the garden? Because he said, we've got to get them out of here. Because if we don't, they may take from the tree of life and live forever. What was he saying? He's saying, I do not want you to live in a fallen state separated from me for eternity. I'm not going to let that happen. So I'm going to push you out away from that possibility. But I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to make you a promise. And this is my promise to you, that that serpent has caused this fall. The man is going to come, and he's going to bruise his heel. But my man is going to bruise his head. And so there's a promise uh, that the son of God uh, would enter the world Uh, he would break the sins of death hell and the grave the chains he promised us that didn't come into this world people say well how could God let that happen God's not allowing that to happen our choice made that happen When we chose sin over God, it caused it to happen. How many of you have ever gotten a speeding ticket? Ben, point them out. (laughs) How many of you, when you got pulled over, and I'm not going to call any names, how many of you, when you got pulled over, tried to turn on the charm? Oh, officer, was I going fast? I tried that. It don't work for me. How many, how many of you turned on the charm trying to get out of the ticket? Wave your hand if you did that. Be honest. You turned on the charm trying to get out of the ticket. How many of you got the ticket anyway? <laughs> Bless your heart. You're so adorable. You can pay this in 30 days. <laughs> what are you saying? And then, this is the part I love. After we get the ticket, as the officer's walking back to the car, and you got anything better to do? Pick on me? What's wrong with him? Man, can't believe he pulled me over just because I was doing 75 and a 50. We point our finger and try and blame everyone else for our fall, for our sin. Here's the deal. Is it God so loved the world that he gave. He said, I know what you did, but I love you too much to live without you. So I'm going to do something for you. Watch this, Genesis, I'm sorry, in Romans 5 and 12, I read a moment ago, let me read it again, and Adam sinned and sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death so desperate to everyone for everyone sinned. 
Now, how many of you have ever experienced the healing of God? Wave your hand. Hold it up high if you experience healing of God. Isn't that wonderful? So if, if you've been healed, if you've been healed at some point in your life, I want you to give God a great big hand clap of praise. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Now let me share this with you. For all of us that have been healed, we're going to die. <laughs> Boy, that rained on that parade. What are you talking about? You're going to die. I've been healed, but I'm still going to die. If you don't believe me, ask Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus died again. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. He died again. Well, why, why did he do that? Why would God heal us if we're just going to die anyway? Why would God raise Lazarus if we're just going to die anyway? Because God wanted you to understand you're not here alone. I've made provision for you while you walk through this life. And especially with Lazarus, what I wanted you to understand is death should not intimidate you. Death should not make you tremble in fear. Because he tells his disciples, he said, no man takes my life from me. Think about this. What brought death into the world? Adam sinned and made all sinners. But Jesus steps up and said, no man takes my life from me. What's he saying? He said, death doesn't have power over me because sin doesn't have power over me. He said, no man takes my life from me. I am going to lay it down. Why? Because you need it. There's got, to, there's got to be a sacrifice, and it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to forgive sin. Why? Because those are animals. It had to be a human. So God wrapped himself in flesh in Christ. He manifests himself, and then he does for us what we could not do. He leads a sinless life, and he lays down his life. And listen to what he said. No man takes my life from me. I'm going to lay it down, and I'm going to pick it back up. <laughs> What's he saying? He said, death, you don't have any hold on me. And because you don't have any hold on me, you're not going to have any hold on them either. When we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life, death has no hold on us. Come here a minute, baby. I want you to hold me. No, put a really big grip on me. Put a big grip on me. Okay. Now, this is not a character. Uh, this is, this, is, this is not a character reflection. Okay, hang on to me. Hang on to me. Okay, so she represents death. She's dressed in black. Okay, so squeeze me. Squeeze me. See, I, I, it's going to take me a while to explain this part. So, <laughs> death, death, death grabs us. 
But what Jesus does is this. He said, you've got to understand something. Grab hold of me. Now, they're too wise. She said, I'm too wide. So, so she's, she's saying or that death, death, death grabs a hold of us, right? And it tries to drag us down. And we've got no hope because death is taking us down. But Jesus comes and he said, I'm going to do something that you can't do. I'm getting ready to break the hold of death. I've got to prove it by laying down my own life. I'm going to break death's hold on me uh, and you can rest assured uh, that if I can break it off of me uh, I can break it off of you uh, somebody shout yes Romans 5 and 18 yes Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone 5 and 21, so just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In St. John chapter 10, Jesus tries to explain some things. And he says, the thief, everybody say thief, serpent, Satan, devil bad dude came for three things steal kill and destroy he he exposes him that's what he's here for i gotta tell you what if that's where it ends i got no hope because i am no match for satan what are you saying? I'm saying he's a fallen angel, man. <laughs> but Satan is no match for my God. <laughs> so Jesus paints the picture. He said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Now let me tell you why I came. I came so you could have life right here right now I came so you could enjoy life here and now and I came that you could have life and have it more abundantly what's he saying when death grabs a hold of you and you start feeling life slip out of your body don't fear don't worry if you know me it's only going to be a blink of an eye you're getting ready to open your eyes and discover life in a way that you have never known life before we hang on to this life as we ought to because it's the only one we know. But how many of you know that we're getting older? I'm 39, again. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't look bad to be 62. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God, everybody else is leaving me out there on my own. But you should have seen me when I was 30. That was something to look at. In my 20s, it was even better. But something's happening. I look in the mirror, and I got stuff falling out. You ever hear that song, Hang On, Sloopy, Sloopy, Hang On? I got, I got wrinkles. She says, I think they're cute. You're the only one. I've got, 
I'm growing hair in places I never knew you could grow hair. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, I'm used to haircuts, but ear cuts, really? I mean, all this, all, all this is telling me one thing is that life is on a downward spiral in this world. And everything in this world is dying because this is temporary. <laughs> I said this is temporary. Oh, you, you, you. This is just temporary. Do you ever go to the dentist and he said, here, I'm, now that's just a temporary. And you can tell it's temporary because it feels like it doesn't belong in your mouth. How many of you know that you can tell this life is temporary because sometimes we feel like there's got to be something better than this? There's got to be something, and there is. I said, there's, do you understand that with death having hit this world, the earth itself groans because of sin, and it longs for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now listen to this. Listen to what he says. He says, the wages of sin is death. But that's not where that scripture ends. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will restore us to the glory he intended for us to have from the beginning of the world. Isaiah 25 and 8, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Isaiah 65 and 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And Hebrews 13 and 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you what's he saying this is temporary just hang on just hang on and there is someone we need to be holding on to his name is Jesus now let me ask you a question because this is the uh, the great paradox we've all experienced death or suffering in our life at some point or another, right? How many can wave your hand and say, I, I know what that feels like? The question then becomes, what do I do with it? What am I supposed to do when that happens? Trust God. Why did that happen? Go back to the garden. If you don't have the right worldview, you're never going to get the right answer. If you keep trying to blame this on God, you're always going to feel frustrated and confused and hurt. But if you go back and understand when death entered and why death entered, then you understand that we're the ones that brought death into this world. But God refused to allow us to be sentenced forever that way. So he sent Christ to redeem us. Now, while we travel through this, God makes us a promise. He says, everything works together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. There's a couple stipulations. A lot of times we want to quote Scripture's promises without stating Scripture's stipulation. <laughs> These things happen if, if you love God, if you're called according to his purpose, but if 
you're walking away from God and you're not acknowledging God and you haven't given your life to God, then there's only one thing you can experience here. That's death and pain and suffering. You, you can experience the joy of sin for a season, but that season's going to come to a close. So God says this, God says, while you're walking through here and you're having to navigate these things, I'm not going to let you navigate it alone if you'll trust me. So let me give you a for instance. Joseph's brothers take him and they're going to kill him. They throw him in a pit fully intending to snuff out his life. Instead, they end up selling him as a slave. And in spite of his cries of anguish and his pleas for mercy, they turn hard hearts toward Joseph. And he's sent off in Egypt. He would spend the next 13 years of his life as a slave and a prisoner. Why? Where are my dreams? I, don't believe, I, I can't believe God let this happen. God didn't make that happen. Their choice did that to Joseph. But God said, now you watch me work it for good. <laughs> so God snatches Joseph up out of a prison, and in one day he goes from a prison to the palace in second in command. Only God can do that. I said only God can do that. Now, we don't know how long the he'll work it for good takes, right? Some of us see it happen quickly. For Joseph, it was 13 years before he saw God work it for good. But in the midst of that, he has to keep holding to God and trusting God and drawing toward God. Job goes through an excruciating situation. Job is questioning God in what he's going through. He's lost everything. And he's pleading to God, I wish you'd just appear before me as a judge so I could plead my case. <laughs> Can I tell you how that comes out? Guilty. Doesn't matter how good you are, you're still guilty. All have sinned. We're guilty. Job is trying to plead his case, and when God finally shows up, Job's not trying to plead his case anymore. Job's looking. God looks at Job and says, you know so much. Tell me when this earth started. Who causes the morning to break forth? Can you put a hook in Leviathan's jaw and make him bow down to you? Come on, you know so much. Tell me. And the Bible said that Job repented in dust and ashes. And he looked at him and he said, I abhorred myself because I uttered things that were too marvelous for me to understand. Buddy, I've been there. I've been there when my mouth got ahead of my heart, where my thought process wasn't working, and I was blaming God. I was there when I was 15 and my dad died. I went to God, and this is my conversation with God. I said, I thought you loved me. How could you let this happen? I can't believe you took my dad from me, and I'm just 15 years old. God spoke to me, and I said in the first service, I said, for God to speak loud enough to get a 15-year-old's attention, he's got to speak pretty loud. And God spoke to me and said, now, 
you said you wanted me to save your father. I could have given you your father for another 15 years and you lost him forever. But today, you've got a promise of your father for eternity because my dad gave his heart to God on his deathbed. So he answered the question, but the answer still doesn't take away the pain. Are you with me? I've given you the answer today, but the answer doesn't take away the pain. And then on top of losing my dad, my mom, now check this out. My mom decides to move. In the middle of my 11th grade year, she takes me from northern Illinois and moves me to southern Illinois, the gall of that woman. Can you fathom that? Can you even imagine that? How dare you? Move me to a place, now it wasn't just southern Illinois, she moves me to some place called Lick Creek. (laughs) Try explaining that to your friends. Well, actually, that's where I went to church at. Lick Creek, you know what that sounds like to a guy from Chicago? Where you go to church? Uh, Go down there to Lick Creek. Try explaining to your classmates where you're moving. I I went to church at Lick Creek. I moved to a place called Buncombe. We weren't sure whether it was pronounced Buncombe or Buncombe. I kept looking for Indians the whole time I lived down there. I thought, this has got to be burial ground, man. This has got, you know, and and, and just looking, and it, it made no sense to me. Took me away from all my, middle of my 11th grade year. Move me down there. I end up graduating high school in Vienna. I wasn't that thrilled about it <laughs> at the time. But see, God wasn't done yet. It would take five years for me to finally see him working it for good. If you'd have come to me in the two years, I'd have said, man, he's messed up. I mean, this is messed up. I'm just being honest with you. How many of us have done that? God, I can't believe you're letting this happen. I can't believe this is going on in my life. See, we avoid questions like this because we're uncomfortable with them. And what's that say to unbelievers? It says to them that we we, we can't trust our God. But if you you end up with the right worldview, if you end up understanding what brought death into the world, then there's no problem in answering the question. Now it's up to them whether or not they're going to receive the answer you gave. So my dad dies. I moved away from the place I grew up in. That's the only place I'd ever known my whole life. Go to uh, Lick Creek. I have a pastor that's got a brother that lives in a place called Sykeston down in Missouri. And he, he tells me, he says, I want you to go with me to see my brother. I said, okay, we'll go down there. You know, it'll be fun. You know, get out. You get on a Saturday and I get down there and they're having church. Can you believe it? <laughs> church on a Saturday. I wasn't all that. I mean, I, li- I like going to church, but on Saturday. <laughs> and so we get down there and in spite of it being church, they're having an old-fashioned day. 
I walk in there, and the preacher's in bib overalls with a washboard. I'm thinking, man, this can't get any worse. And then in the middle of all that stuff going on, they bring this girl up to me after service is over and introduce her to me, and she's sitting right there. God worked it for good. And I couldn't see it happening. I didn't know it was happening. But God's saying, son, you just hang on. I'm going to get you where I want you. It's going to be okay. Just trust me. How many of you right now are in that stage of needing to trust him? Of waiting for him to work it for good? I promise he will. You may not see how right now. I can't give you a timeline on it. But I can promise you that before he's done, he'll get good out of it. Better, better yet, you'll get good out of it. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Why are you preaching something like this, Pastor? Because I want you to have an answer. I don't want you going through life with questions that you can't find answers to. Now, I can't answer all your questions. And I can't... (laughs) When something that makes no sense happens and good people are taken out of this life, it makes no sense to me why an illegal migrant is even allowed in this country to take the life of a young nursing student who had a promising future, but now it's gone. That doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not blaming God for it. I understand that the world is no longer beautiful because of what we did, not because of what God did. Every choice bears a repercussion. No, you, you've got a choice. And you say, well, why does God give us a choice? Because it's not love if it's not a choice. Daryl, if you had married Kelly with a shotgun over your head, she would have a hard time believing it when you said, I love you. God didn't want us saying, I love you, because of a shotgun over us. He wanted us to choose him. And our choices brought us to where we're at now. Here's here's the good news. Our choice brought death into this world. But my choice can also bring life into this world. Bring life into me, abundant life. So if you're here today and you've never said yes to him, I want you to think about what I'm going to say. If you've never said yes to him, you need to do it today. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself falling victim to what God was trying to make sure would never happen. 
when God pushed them out of the garden, he wanted to make sure that they would not live eternally separated from him. He needed to restore them. So he's made provision for us, and all we have to do is say, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Save me. So if you've never done that, I want to invite you today to do that. If you're in this place today and you're somewhere in the journey of pain and suffering, you're somewhere where things don't make sense and I don't get it, it's all right to be there. We've all been there. The thing is, is you need to recognize that he's there too. He promised I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to remind you that death has no hold on you. I'm going to remind you that, you're, that, that, that death cannot overcome you. But if the same spirit dwells in you that dwells in him, <laughs> when you close your eyes, you're going to open them in his presence. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. So if you're here and you've got a need, I want you to come to the front with me right now. Would you do it just very quickly? Just move to the front. You may have questions. You may, you may need to God to intervene in a situation you're in. Now, I, I want to say something to you, and I, I want you to listen carefully at what I'm going to say. God is able to rescue, heal, and save. But if we continue to make bad choices, we've got to be careful that we don't get caught in between a choice. What are you talking about? How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you are ever tempted to look down at your cell phone while you're driving? All it takes is a second. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to be transparent with you. I've done it. I've looked at it. And then I purpose, I, I can't do this. I, I've got to. So I, I was sharing with somebody after second or after first service. I said, I, you know, I've deleted like news apps when I drive. So I'm not tempted to look down and just see what's happening in the world. Because I'd like my world to continue a little longer. To make sure that we don't put ourselves in harm's way by bad choices but saying God here I am and I want you to have your way in my life how many of you want that if you do just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now I don't know where you're at in your journey I don't know what circumstance you're in between but circumstance is going to continue to happen as long as we live the good news is we're not alone. And God has made a way for us to break the hold of death. Are you ready for it? Stretch your hands up. I want this to be your prayer today. God, use me. Use me to bring someone else to you. Use me, Father. God, I'm asking you today, God, for those that are in this building, if they don't know you, that they'll surrender their heart to you.
If they do know you and they're suffering and God, there's questions in their mind, I pray, God, that you wrap your arms around them and settle it in their hearts. God, let them know that you're there for them. God, that this is not the end. But Father, the best is still yet to come. We praise you for that. We glorify you for that in Jesus' name. Silence the voice of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised in life again. Oh, I want you to do this. If you have no rival. Just stretch your hands you to heaven. No and say, God, here I am. I don't understand everything. I trust you. I'm not going to question you. I'm going to trust you. And thank you that you've given me an answer. You've given me an answer for the pain and the suffering in this world. And the answer isn't because you don't care. The answer is because we messed up. But the good news is, is that he's coming to rescue us. He's saving us from our mess up. Just take your neighbor by the hand one last time. Hang on. I'm going to end with this. Just take your neighbor by the hand and look him right in the eye and say, I know you've messed up. Go ahead and say it with confidence. I know you've messed up. But I also know this, that your mess up isn't bigger than the grace of God. And so God, you know, there's, I, I, I hope this doesn't sound derogatory to you, but he was strung up because of our mess up so we can go up to be with him. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise for that in this house today. God bless you. We love you. Death, good.